following podcast is a Jill Divine Media production. Christianity has become known for judgy people, strange words, ancient stories, confusing rules, and a members-only mindset. This is why I stayed away from the church for so long, but it's not supposed to be that way. I'm Jill Devine, a former radio personality with three tattoos, a love for a good tequila, and who's never read the entire Bible. Yet, here I am hosting a podcast about faith. The Normal Goes a Long Way podcast is your home for real conversations with real people using real language about how faith and real life intersect. Welcome to the conversation. Thanks for coming back to listen to part two of the conversation with Sarah and Kelly from Hearts and Hope. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one in episode 83, I encourage you to do that first and then come back and listen to this episode. So let's go ahead and pick up from where we left off in episode 83 with Sarah and Kelly from Hearts and Hope. What I'd like to tackle next is that time in Uganda and you know, coming back. One of the things that Todd and I were talking about not too long ago, it was after your most recent trip. And so we were talking about the boy that our family sponsors, Derek. And I said, I don't know how, because I have not been on a mission trip. It is on my bucket list. Um, And I've thought a lot about it. Like, why do I want to go on a mission trip? Am I doing it for me? What does that look like? What does that mean? Like, what is it that I'm, why do I want to go? And my answer inside is to help. I have no idea if that is even the right answer or an answer. I'm not sure. But Todd and I were talking about coming back again. And I said, I don't know how it would feel to leave Derek, even though Derek's not my son and Derek, it's just, there's this investment now. And, um, and I joked around, I said, do you offer counseling? And Todd's (laughs) like, we actually do. Like, there's this thing that you, we need to know going into it and what we need to know coming back from it. And it's just so confusing to me. I don't even know where to begin. So, what I like what you had said about, hey, it is okay. You can't have the guilt for having what you have. But let's walk through that because you go multiple times a year. And I'm going to guess it's not just routine and normal. Or is it? Do you come back different each time? Do you come back like, okay, that's what we do. Here's what we go. I, how does that work? There, there always comes a time, and it's now. I was just there in June, and now I'm like, I gotta go back. Like, there's a pull always, especially when I'm when I start to get lost in Western culture and you know the the illusions that we chase every day that are not important. I, I have I have to go back, and like it just grounds me completely to what's important and what I need to focus on. And then also, I receive so much love. Um, and every trip is different. Like, there are certain things that are routine certain airports, certain things we always do through the airport when Sarah and I go. I've been 15 times. And so, I mean, I, it's really like a second home, but it is so different. Every time I get off that plane and smell that, the smell of that air, I'm like, wow, I'm in Africa again. And it just, it's, oh, it always feels very the same, but also you experience different things. You see different things. The amount of stories we have of 
what these kids have gone through and what we've witnessed there is it's just powerful and every time is different so we go in with certain plans and certain routines but we always come back like impacted by certain things in different ways and things we can share with people yeah I would agree with that um I feel like each trip is a little bit different in that the shorter the trip the harder it is to I say one of the challenges of our specific job is that we it is our job and so the nature of Uganda is transformative in terms of how they relate to other people how they spend their time how they communicate how they want to know you and enjoy true like fellowship and then the nature of you going for a business purpose mm. That kind of can ruin things a little bit, <laughs> like if yeah. you don't have enough time. And so that, that's my job specifically. Most people who go on a mission trip won't experience that particular nuance because that is what we do is we um, build relationships. So most people who go on a, on a mission trip are going specifically to build those relationships and have lots of those opportunities. Something I personally have struggled with is that balance between saying, ah, we only have two weeks. We have to talk to all these people. We have to figure out how this is going. And the more I remember to say, step back, see how people are doing, like let things happen organically and then, you know, bring in maybe the things that you need to focus on. It's much healthier. And I will say that the times when you just ha can sit down with somebody and let them ask questions and you talk with them, like those are the most beautiful experiences. And I've right now I kind of have a roommate, but mostly I've been living alone the last uh, two-ish years. But before that, when I was going, my roommates could always tell when I came back from Uganda, they'd say, you're just, you're just so much more present when you come back. Um, and it's as if you remember what human interaction is supposed to be like, because in Uganda, there's just this beautiful capacity to, you're not in a rush for something. You're not trying to move to the next thing, or you don't, you don't have, you know, like you as a mom, you don't have to take your kids to school and then soccer practice and this and then you have to an interview and you have groceries to worry about and, you know, checking in on anything else. Whereas there it's like you're with someone and that's your agenda, right? Even that was brought up on, I think, the February trip this year or might have been the June. Someone said the way that the students, the kids, even little, little kids, mm -hmm. like four or five year olds, like just look at you straight in the eyes and mm -hmm. just listen. And they don't even half the time understand what we're saying in English, but they are just smiling and looking at you like so intentively, like you are their priority at that moment. Mm -hmm. And yeah, to be able to feel heard from like a toddler is <laughs> is a unique experience. Oh yeah. I mean, even as a mom, I'm like, oh, you actually listened to me? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because what I recently talked about in some episodes, a three-part episode was my first time going on a retreat and the high that I was on when I came back mm -hmm. and how on that last day they had said, you know, spiritual warfare, the devil's going to, the, the devil, the enemy, they're going to get in there and they are going to take this away. And I had just had a, a voice text conversation with one of the leaders of the retreat She's like, how are you doing? How are things going? I'm like, well, listen, I'm not on that high anymore at all, which I would love to be on that high. But what I try to do is remember that high whenever I am frustrated or I'm worried or I'm this. I 
wonder though, I'm not going to know unless I, when I do it, but is that high coming back from Uganda also a complete low? Like you would feel, you would bring home all of like the sadness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. But then I'm making that about me and that's not what it's <laughs> supposed to be about. So then I start feeling guilty about that. Yeah. My my first trip there compared to my 15th, let's say, or whatever, I even my second, my first trip there, I cried every single day. And it, it was more of like a, why do I have so much and they have so little? And I was looking at them through a lens of, I need to feel sorry for these people. Mm. These people have a hard life. I'm, I need to feel sorry for them. And in some way that elevated me above them. Um, the more I've gone, the more I come home and I feel sorry for people around me mm-hmm. and definitely all of the mental health problems, the lack of community, the lack of just the lack of faith, um, in the U S particularly, um, going to Uganda and, and seeing they, they, they live by when you have very little, you have a lot to give. Like they take care of, they raise, they raise all the neighborhood kids are all raised by the community and you know, they're there for each other and they fight for each other. And it's just something that we come home and we are inside our huge houses and half of us don't even know our neighbors. And it's just, it is really sad to see that the more material wealth we build walls, walls, walls around each other. And that's who we belong to and who we should, you know, lean on. And that's something we don't have here. So I go to Uganda and I'm like, these people are fine. (laughs) You know, like, I think what we're doing is wonderful by providing them some material things that are really vital, like clean water and education. Right, this safety. Right. Just general, like, wellness to protect, you know, their human dignity. But there's something so much to that we have to learn, something so mm-hmm. huge that we have to learn from these people. So um, you bring that back, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a quote that I really like that I'm not going to quote directly because <laughs> I'm definitely paraphrasing, but it's basically like... It, as a Western culture, we tend to see poverty and say, what is the solution here? Oh, it's to make them like us. Let them be like middle class people who have their resources met. Um, yet you look at us and we are a nation or culture defined by suicide rates, divorce, addiction, like mental health challenges, depression, isolation. And you look at, you know, and, and you can't really make these comparisons, right? Because there's still these challenges in Uganda as well. But you look at Uganda and you see this lack of resources, which we see as being above all the very worst thing you could ever imagine. And yet you meet people who have this depth to them, this creativity to them, this resilience and this kindness and this spirituality that we can't even come close to in our day to day interactions. And you say, "Okay, like who's actually the poor person in this situation? Um, Like who really has something to learn? And so what Kelly said is very true in that there's that. Like, it's absolutely heartbreaking that, like, how do we live in 2023 and they don't have clean water or mm-hmm. the ability for their children to go to school? That's wrong. It is. It mm-hmm. just is wrong that we throw away food and they go hungry. That's, it's wrong. And that's heartbreaking. And that's not what God wants. That's not what we want. But then you look at us and you say, how are we this impoverished that we don't even recognize that we are the ones missing things in our life and that we are the isolated, we are the lonely, we're the ones longing for connection. And without it, and yet they've somehow, like, blessed are the poor. You see that in Uganda, absolutely. And you recognize, like, there's no, (laughs) poverty is just, it just becomes a whole different thing when you have those experiences. 
like this is a yes moment for me <laughs> hearing what you, like how you come back now the not the going into it feeling sorry for you that's not it um and you're right i mean you look at all these stats and it's like you we want to do that we want to be a part of that i think something that you two are helping me with right now is this has been an ongoing thing for me is you know you know you keep you compare yourself you say this you say that like oh, my house isn't big enough. I mean, that's something that my husband and I have been struggling with. I'm like, our house isn't big enough and we're not doing this and this. And it's like, okay, well then what do we do? It's the answer, the solution is not go into more debt to find a bigger house. The answer is to figure out how to make our house that we get to live in work for us. And so I have been... um Pastor Chuck just recently talked about this in a sermon. Did you marry Jesus for his money? Oh, oh, it puts a lot into perspective. And I have really started trying to think about these idols and what is important. And like, clearly God is speaking to me through you two right now in thinking of those things. Um, I will share a story that really has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about, but I feel like it keeps coming up. Uh, Not too long ago, I lost my wedding ring within our house. The wedding ring means so much to me on a number of reasons. My husband and I designed it, just like all these different things. And I wonder if I was just making that an idol. Like I'm spending all this energy and this time thinking about this wedding ring and how much I love it and how much it's like who I am and my identity. And I have really been struggling with what I wear now on my finger and what I used to wear. But then there's this also this like, peace to say it doesn't have to be that and so I I I don't know if that makes sense but I guess I'm just with what you guys are saying I would love to have that mindset in a lot of ways with a lot of different things in my life yeah yeah and maybe God put Sarah and I in Uganda to constantly remind us of that as well because I know we you know it's hard to maintain that attitude when you when we do live in this this society and we've been conditioned from our culture from a very young age that, you know, material things and the meaning that we attach to them, you know, mm-hmm. if the material thing goes away, the meaning goes away, yeah. but the meaning always is, is in us. Right. And so to, to, to detach meaning from material things can be extremely difficult. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what Sarah was saying is like, we, we place a lot of meaning in, you know, let's say you want a Tesla and, that's what you've worked for your whole whole life or whatever. Like you've worked for years and years, saved up, you've sacrificed and you have this Tesla. That Tesla is is a lot of your self-identity and your worth. So something happens to that Tesla, you're going to freak out. And then someone like us who just came from Africa can be like, did you know that this kid yeah. sleeps on dirt and his toes are eaten by rats at night? And you're screaming about this Tesla. But what we don't see is he's, he's screaming about the loss of his self-worth and his self-identity. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so a lot of it, it really, yeah, you have to, you have to view things coming back from Uganda, um, of knowing that people here really do attach a lot of worth to material things. I think there's a, a challenge that comes where when you're surrounded by, you know, just the environments like Uganda, you actually start resenting those with money who don't seem to use it well. Like, and there's like a bitterness that almost wells up when you look at celebrity or you look at the culture that we what we celebrate and you think about how many lives could just be normalized or safe just by the use of that money and something something my mom also said when I was young that stuck with me is pain is pain like even a stub toe like it just because it's not a broken arm doesn't mean a stub toe doesn't hurt right and so of course those things are very different but yet I think something I've been thinking about during this conversation is the need for us to have grace with ourselves and for others, no matter what those lives look like. So, for instance, you asked, you have this fear that going to Uganda, maybe you have the wrong motives, would have the wrong motives. Maybe you'd make it about you. And that, to me, says that you maybe have a lack of grace for yourself or you're waiting for that perfect moment where you are at the right place mentally. And you are maybe at the place where you've, you're like, okay, now I'm at the right place. I know my motives are totally pure. And I'd have to say, I don't know if any of us can ever really know when or if our motives are pure. I always say, I I go to Uganda for me. I mean, I'm <laughs> so lucky that this is my job and, like, I get the chance to go so much. But even on, like, mission trips, like, and I tell everyone who goes on trips, I'm like, you have to understand, like, this is for us. We get so much. Even if our intention is we want to help, and we do, we spread love, we spread happiness and hope, but you get so much more in return from these people. So going to Uganda is, it's transformative, but it it's okay if if you want to go to just receive love because that place has a lot to that's give. That's what I've heard. Yeah, That's yeah. what I've oh, heard. For sure. it's, and it's amazing. White savior, things that, that's a definite thing. And, you know, like where you go to, you know, like there is unfortunately the reality that people can go on a trip and it becomes about them to the extent that look at these children who make me look better because mm -hmm. of what I did. Right. But I will say even, I mean, I look at my early trips and I have so many photos like that, you know, that I would not have taken this, like this day, but like that was my foundation almost was you don't know what you don't know. Like right. it's, you just think you're like, wow, look what I'm experiencing. Look at the love I'm seeing and receiving. And you want to share that with people and you don't realize that it makes you look like you're like, oh, look at me, what I'm doing. Right. But, you know, you learn a lot through those experiences and recognizing like, hey, did I have good motives at that point? Like, was I was I posting that for me or for like for exposure for those kids or, you know, what? And you, you're able to develop a more educated perspective. And I would say a lot of people know more now than I did when I was young going on these trips, but you have to have, you have to have the grace to let yourself make those mistakes or have those experiences so that you can learn and you can recognize, you know, like then it was, then when I heard someone say, Something like, would you want your child photographed when they're crying or they have a snotty nose? Like, no, you don't. Well, that hit differently because I'm like, I did post a picture like that when I was 19, you know, like of these kids who were crying. And guess what? They were crying because, you know, like they didn't get a sucker or something. But people see that and they're like, their lives are miserable. Right. And, you know, and actually that child had a happy family. And but I thought it was an artistic moment. Right. And I, I learned from that. Now I can look back and say, why did I why did I feel the need to post? somebody's vulnerable moment on my Facebook page when mm -hmm. I don't have that permission or that, you know, like you, you learn a lot through those things and mistakes are made, but that 
those sort of foundational things can lead you on a fully different path. So my encouragement is don't wait till you have the right motives, like educate yourself for sure and start reading books or start, you know, watching documentaries or talking to people who have gone and experienced these things, but, or people from those cultures even more so, but don't wait. You know, this whole podcast is about normal people, right? Mm-hmm. Normal people make mistakes left and right. So and it's don't, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I so, think the fact that you're even asking yourself yeah. that question of, am I going for me? And like, means you are doing the preparation yeah. mm-hmm. and it means that you are thinking about, you know, you have, you want to have the best intentions going there and interacting with those people. And some people really do just go because, oh, so-and-so is also going or I, I had to go on a trip this year anyway, so might as well go. These are the things I've heard that I'm like, maybe you didn't have the best, you know, maybe you could have gone somewhere else or something. So it is really great to have that already. Just knowing you want to go and knowing you want to be in the right mindset is a good first step. Well, thank you. Um, I think too, as we wrap things up, like just the confidence that you two have, especially to come back. I, I definitely understand our country, but at the same time, I don't Mm -hmm. until I hear perspective from both of you. Um, And I think that that's just one of those things too, like not caring what people think, easier said than done. But when you start to have that, even if it's in your own head, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what anybody else says or thinks or any of that. Mm -hmm. As long as you're okay with that yourself. And I, that's a struggle. And I think that that is something that is so beautiful to have individuals like you and anybody that goes and comes back to start saying, this is about so much more. It's about connection. It is about learning, taking what we see there and learning and, and bringing it here. It's not about showing a crying child. It is okay to show a, not okay, show a happy child and show that you can still make a difference in their life. They don't have to be crying. They don't have to not have clothes on. That's not the thing. Let's not use that as the reason to get people to get in. Let's use community and connection and all these amazing things to get people in because then we will make it better here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I am so thankful for you both, and I cannot wait to experience this with you both as well. So, oh, it's gonna be so awesome! So is Derek. He's waiting. That's how you got in to say you're most welcome. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure Derek has some mangoes ready for you. Probably good. They're probably gonna be bad by the time. If you don't hurry up. Stop guilting me. (laughs) Thank you both for what you're doing. I cannot wait to experience, like I said it with you, and then we'll have all of your contact information on the show notes at normalgoesalongway.com. Can you say that again? uh, You're welcome. You are most welcome. (laughs) 